Hi, everybody. Welcome to the KC Chiropults podcast brought to you by Cats Consultants, helping chiropractors keep their pulse on success. I'm Dr. Michael Perush, and I'm joined today with my good friend, Dr. Troy Fox. Troy, you are always the keeper of the emails that people send in with, with requests for what we talk about. So what are we talking about today? I am. I got a great one. So a uh, guy that I know actually that emailed us, Billy from Arkansas. So, hey, Billy, how you doing? Hey, Billy. Been a long time since I've seen you. We've been to Siloam a few times with you for sure. Um, but Billy sent us a really good question. It's, a, it's about scalability. And when he sent me the question, my head exploded because there's so many, so many good and bad things when we talk about that about what we can and can't do from a scalability standpoint. But his question is, how do I scale my practice without creating problems? And I thought, well, really great question because we've seen a lot of docs create problems when they try to scale their practices. And there's a really specific set of things that you and I are very familiar with that tend to go wrong when people scale practices. So how about you give us the 30,000 foot overhead and tell me (laughs) when you see this, what's the big picture of why when I try to scale my practice, that should be a good thing, right? Well, it, it it is a good thing, but it also has to be controllable. Ah, and, and this is where I think a lot of docs really kind of find themselves in a pickle, if you will, mm-hmm. is they they don't have any controls in place. I, and so you're thinking, well, what do you mean by controls? Well, right. The first thing is, are you watching your stats? Mm-hmm. This is a huge mistake that I see so many doctors making. They're not doing a deep statistical analysis. And so they don't really know where the practice is. They don't know what's trending. All they see is, oh my gosh, I got 45 new patients this month. And oh my gosh, the bank account is still positive. Well, that's not how you manage a business and that'll get you in trouble. And one of the problems that doctors run into in, in trying to scale and trying to do it too quickly is retention. Oh yeah. And And why, why do we know that? Because we see it all the time. Well, and we've also both experienced it and done it over time. Well, that's you know true. there was there was nobody telling us back in the day from a consulting standpoint or a coaching standpoint or an advisement standpoint. Nobody set me down and said, "Here's how you scale your practice." They said, "Grow your practice, get new patient numbers." And yep. you will be wildly successful. That was basically the mantra back in the early 90s of how we did our practices. So you and I both did that. We both mm-hmm. were old, we were uber successful at getting new patients in the door, but we also had a retention problem because of the scalability issue. But that goes totally against what you and I really want folks to do when we're working with them. Our goal yeah. is that you you take care of a patient for their lifetime, that you create well a wellness mindset with them, and that you're not always on the hamster wheel trying to get new patients. So our process should help make you more scalable. But I digress back to where you were at. But I was I was like, you know what? People probably want to know why do you guys know so much about scalability? Because we've we've had the implosions in our own practices as well. So yeah, I'm pretty sure when you look up scaling a chiropractic clinic in the dictionary, <clears throat> our pictures are in there of how <laughs> yeah. not to do it. We yeah, have but, some really nasty stories about how we've done it wrong for sure. Yeah, and you know, you brought up the <clears throat> coaching in the '90s. And you're you're spot on. What 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 were the big things? The big drivers: new patients and yep. PVA. PVA, and, baby. and that's that's all we looked at. 
<clears throat> and what we didn't realize was we were hitting our capacity ceiling. It would knock us back down and then we'd have to climb back up. Every time we saw a bunch of new patients and didn't retain them in the practice, mm-hmm. we killed our dollar visit average and our collection visit average. And what we weren't paying attention to at all back then was our actual yeah. profitability points. And yeah. probably 50% or more of the patients that came in, especially if they dropped out in the first five visits, we lost money on. Yeah. And that's not that's not how you scale any business. No. And and you were also you were either depressed, happy, unhappy based on the fact when you got together, because everybody would say, I saw this many patients last month. I had this many new patients and Hey, what's your PVA right now? You know, right. and you were, either, you were either happy or unhappy because of that. So we want you to scale a practice in a, a sustainable way, right? Is, is right. that really what we're talking about today? Okay. Sustainable and scalable, <clears throat> or maybe it's the other way around scalable and sustainable, but yeah, if you don't have some substance to it, so I'm going to flip mm-hmm. that word around a little bit. If you don't have some substance to it, if you don't have those controls in place, you know, you can get on a bicycle and you can get that thing going hundred miles an hour downhill, but is it sustainable? No, mm-hmm. it's not because number one, you can't keep your foot on the pedals. And number right. two, at some point you're going to be out of control and you're going to crash. And that's what happens. Right. That's why, that's why we see those kind of practices. There's statistics go up and down and up yeah. and down and there's no predictability to it. And when right. you have a business, wouldn't it be nice to have some predictability? Wouldn't it be nice to know that you've got cash flow every month and that you're going to be able to make yeah. your mortgage payment, your car payment. You're going to be driving the kind of car you want. Yeah. You're going to be living in the kind of house you want. So let's talk about the top three and we'll see if you and I both agree a hundred percent. I'm sure we'll be at least 66%. (laughs) I bet two out of three, you and I absolutely agree on what, if you had to pick three things that we were going to focus on today, because, you know, we're a podcast, not a hospital right now. So we're going to be able to give you three things to work on today. What are the big three that you would work on right now? If, if I want to scale up, what are the three things I need to look at to do that successfully? Geez, I got to narrow it down to three. But I know that's what's thanks, tough. Thanks, Troy. <laughs> I know you and I, you and I have a list of like twenty in our heads. But what are the three biggest for you? Well, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind in this whole process, and this is kind of a foundational point, is you gotta have the right procedures in place. And mm-hmm. and far too often, I see coaches out there giving you a system. You mm-hmm. take the lid off the box and you dump it out on the floor and you do this system. But the problem with that is it doesn't grow with you. And All as right. the practice scales up, your procedures have to be such that they're modifiable along the way. Otherwise you'll crash because your procedures are built Mm. around where you are at any given time. So that'd be my first thing. Yep. Um, Second, I think you have to be really good and really intentional with your patient communication and lead them down the path of becoming a lifetime patient, not just Mm. a Mm-hmm. in and out patient. Mm-hmm. Um, if you got a lot of pop and go patients in your practice, uh, that that's hard to create that sustainability factor from. Mm-hmm. You want patients who stay, pay, refer, and believe in what you do, and they right. do it for life. Yep. <clears throat> um, you want to catch up with me and throw in a couple while I think about it? Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> I, I thought long and hard about this, and I thought, okay, number one, 
if I'm going to scale, and this goes all the way back to the beginning of my practice, or at least long before I start trying to scale up, number one, don't sell my patient a false bill of goods. And what I mean by that (laughs) is don't go into the room and spend 30 minutes with Mary Jo adjusting her, talking about uh, how much you love her canned pickles. You know, um, they were good. Yeah, they were good, but yeah, we don't have 30 minutes to go through that. So if we devote, unfortunately, and I remember, um, I remember when I first started into practice, Bridget told me, who was my office manager at the time, she said, act like you see a hundred patients a day. Yeah. And I said, what do you mean by that? She said, don't go in there and dilly dally around in the room, go in there and do what you need to do. You can be cordial and friendly, but if you want to talk to somebody, talk to them after church. Yeah, you don't you get paid it. for yeah. your time. Yeah. So go in there and get your job done. That's what you're here for. Yep. So you go in and get your job done. That's number one. That's what you do before you ever start to scale. Number two, get your team together and figure out what do we need to do to make this office scalable. That's number two for me. And here's number three. Number three, push your patients into tighter slots mm-hmm. when you get close to that point to test whether your system is going to work or not, because if you can't see more patients successfully and comfortably, your patients are going to know it. You're going to look like an episode of Hell's Kitchen, you know, <laughs> when things go really south or, or, or John Taffer on that bar rescue show, when they do the stress test and the whole, the whole thing flies apart Blows and they up. go, and he goes, shut it down. You know, he he gets mad and shuts the bar down. You know, it's going to happen every single time, every episode. Don't be Cairo rescue. Don't be the person that says, I'm just going to scale up. I'm not going to do anything. So there's my three right off the top of my head. Well, I'm going to piggyback on that a little bit for my third. I think something that's important out of the list of 200 (laughs) um, is you've got to have a pricing structure that makes long-term care attainable for all patients, because what, what is long-term care wellness, maintenance, whatever you want to call it. I call it long-term care, but it's, but it's the same principle. It's not billable to insurance, not a covered, it's not a covered service in most cases. So you've got to have a pricing structure that works and a pricing structure that you aren't committing um, the faux pas of having a dual fee schedule. Right. And it's so much easier if you're in a cash practice, which we we still yeah. encourage people that if insurance isn't really cut, you, you need to evaluate that every year. But I, I love it because I'm cash. So it's easy for me. Yep, I don't me have too. to worry about a dual fee structure. And so it's really easy for me to do, but that we don't want you to fall into that trap. Don't get right. yourself in trouble. But I agree with you. That's an amen to that, brother, because we need to make care long-term an affordable option that families go, I want more, not less. And that's really, in my practice, I want patients, I don't, you know what, hey, you know, if I end up giving, giving a patient the opportunity to get adjusted one or two more times a year on a wellness schedule from a patient that already knows what they need to do, they come into the office, get down on the table, tell me what's going on. They're just a dream to adjust. They're a dream patient. Okay, well, they're a lot easier than somebody that's been in a car accident and can't even get up and down off the table. So guess right. what? Less complexity, a little less expense for a wellness patient for me, and I'm happy to do that. And it kind of excites me that I get to see him a couple extra times a year. 
And in the end, yep. I make the I, I make the same amount of money whether I see them twelve or fourteen times. Or you know, I'm just throwing out an example. But right. I agree with you wholeheartedly. When you get to wellness, that's important, which ties into your scalability because now you're talking about retention. Yep, absolutely, right? absolutely. And if and if uh, at least sixty percent of your practice <clears throat> your practice revenue isn't coming from cash based services. Give us a call. We'll help you with that. We'll turn that around because that's what creates stability in your practice. That's what creates the scalability of your practice. And that that's what creates that long-term sustainability. Oh, yeah. A a sustained practice. It's not just about scaling. It's a sustained practice is the one that has the most value. And I know, excuse me, most of us, when we get down to the end of the game or we're ready to retire, the exit strategy is that we sell our practice. But far too often, we see doctors dip the bell curve all the way down to the practice isn't worth anything by the time they get there because it it, it didn't have a sustainability factor to it. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, we do see a lot of that. And that is so unfortunate <clears throat> because uh, there are a lot of guys and gals out there that have been in practice for a number of years. They have a, they have a very intimate uh, tie to their practice. And they think their practice is worth a lot more than it is. And then you walk in and look at it and it's just a shell. Unfortunately, it probably was a really solid practice at one point. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's another great tip from uh, scalability. Once you get it to where it needs to be, make sure that when you are on the, uh, you know, when you're in the checkout lane and you're thinking about getting out of practice, you need to make sure that you keep your, your foot on the pedal give that that great care to your patients that you've always given. Make sure that you continue to keep your patient numbers where they should be from that standpoint, because when somebody comes in to buy your practice, the, the, you know, you're going to want more than just the equipment value. Right. And that's, unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of that nowadays. Practices aren't selling for as much as they used to. The blue sky isn't selling for as much as it used to. Nope but there's still a value to it. So you want to make sure that you keep those numbers up to get the most out of your practice in the long term. You know, and I'm just going to prime the pump here just a little bit. If any of our listeners want to send <clears throat> Troy an email and it's Troy at catsconsultants.com um, and, and ask the question, Hey, let's talk about exit strategy. What do you mean by that? What all does that entail? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That'd be a great topic. You know, all of oh, our yeah. podcasts are driven by what our listeners want to hear about. So um, feel free to, Send that in again, Troy at catsconsultants.com. Troy's the keeper of those emails. Hey, and I'm going to throw another thing out here because uh, while we're just talking on the podcast, normally we don't toot our own horn too much. Um, We've got some wonderful new programs within Cats Consultants. We're getting ready to debut, and it's going to be a couple of months from now, but we're getting ready to debut a new program or a program that's been, what do we call it, refreshed? over the years, refreshed and relevant on how to start a practice from basically dirt cheap. Ground zero and dirt cheap. To profitability. And we're going to do it in the shortest amount of time and we're going to do it live. So we're going to do it and then we're going to talk about it and we're going to go through the timeline. We're going to talk about everything from when we got this to when we got that to how long it took us to get profitable. And we're going to show all that. And we're going to show exactly how we did it. It's going to be a huge practice model to show how to get a cash practice up and running. And our goal is going to be to get to profitability and decent profitability, not just a dollar or two in three months. Yep. That's our goal. Our goal is three months. 
and we're and we're excited about it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to chronicle that later on. And we may talk about it a little bit in a few of the podcasts, because I know a lot of times you guys are trying to figure out, I don't have any money, but I want to make my practice look cool. I don't have any money, but I want to look successful in my practice because part of it is the swagger, right? You want to look good. So those are things we're going to talk about down the road. Yeah. And it might not just be a brand new practice. It might be a, a maybe a satellite clinic or something that you, you want to open. So yeah, it's exactly. going to be uh, it's going to be a fun program and uh, very effective. Yeah. Oh very yeah. Effective. Very, very. So I'm going to throw this out too, and then we'll close out. If uh, you have any practice needs, curious about what we do, how can we help you? Give us a call. Um, you can jump on the website. Our phone number's on there. It's catsconsultants.com, cats with a K. And uh, you can even go onto our calendars, top right corner. You can schedule a call with us. Let's chat. Let's just see where your practice is. And we can Mm -hmm. even do a a quick little analysis over the phone and find out how we can help you. Our one-on-one coaching is second to none. Troy, anything else? I think you covered it. Very good, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning in to the Casey Carapults podcast brought to you by Cats Consultants helping you keep your pulse on success. Be sure to check us out, catsconsultants.com, and from all of us here at Cats Consultants, stay informed and well-adjusted. We'll see you next time. See ya.